0: And welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, night recording edition. That's My right. name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. I
1: love that we have to call it out every time. It's, I just think it's the energy true. is palpable. It is. Yeah, it's very different. This is not only a nighttime recording. This is a day late recording. We're usually... Sunday mornings that's what gives it the low-key vibe it's a Sunday morning it's chill it's relaxed we're usually drinking coffee or something yeah yeah yeah. this is a Monday night recording like right after dinner so it's like (laughs) weird like bloated energy Uh, (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> too late but too early so we'll see what happens here yeah but i'm like a fish tank
0: like filled with liquid with arms and legs yeah just filled with water right now right
1: <laughs> we're like the fish that just stick their mouths on the wall and hang there you know what i mean
0: <laughs> that's the vibe of today's episode a lamprey yes yeah exactly uh drive my car fans are going wild in the chat right now <laughs> anyway um look there's a lot of stuff to talk about there's a yeah. whole lot of stuff i do want to start this episode off the same way we started last week's episode off just by saying We will be talking about Elden Ring again, believe it or not, uh, later in the episode. Again, we're going to save that for the last segment of the episode. Uh, But just a quick reminder that we are also doing a bonus episode about Elden Ring this month. Uh, So I would just say if you want us to answer some questions, we also have a guest on that one, uh, which will be announced at a later date. But if you would like us or our guests to answer questions about Elden Ring, uh, start sending them in uh, any way you want. Uh, Our links to everything are on into the cast online Twitter Instagram join the discord send them to us that way whatever what you want
1: I would imagine this would happen this will happen organically but also if you have any questions it's about like the souls games in general i thought that would also be fun to address on that episode
0: yeah yeah definitely um yeah. so just a quick shout out what i will say in this segment before the official elden ring segment that we're going to do later is that i have finished the game uh which is absolutely wild uh, you thought
1: i was tarnished
0: you thought i was maidenless look at me now i'm the Elden Great lord Elden lord Brendan. my guy yeah. uh pretty pretty tight uh but what was really wonderful about finishing elden ring was like Watching the credits roll, literally as they passed by the screen upwards, it really did feel like a weight was lifting off my shoulders as each yeah. name passed to the top of the screen. Um, because like finally I was able to play anything else. Uh, <laughs> I've been trying so hard to play other video games, but Elden it's hard. Ring, Elden Ring is always one. And what I found since finishing Elden Ring is that I have a hard time going back to Elden Ring now. Because There are are things that I haven't done, which I do want to do before we do the bonus episode, but there are things that I haven't done. But when I go back into that world now, I'm like, but the story's over. Like I saw the end, like I've had my experience with Elden Ring and going and finish like cleaning up the world now that I'm the Elden Lord doesn't feel right. Like it feels like that stuff should stay there. What is wonderful is just like that means that I've had time to actually go out and check out other stuff Uh, and I've checked out a lot of stuff over the past week Uh, I finished I finished Elden Ring uh, I I guess like Friday last week and it's Monday the day that we're recording uh, which has given me a lot of time to check out some other stuff so I wanted to start with a game that is a 2022 release. Hell yeah! Uh, airhorn, airhorn uh, that I have <laughs> that I was really looking forward to, and just like came out at the most inopportune time possible. Um, which I was is, gonna say this year has become the most
1: inopportune time possible for a game to come out. Like, for real, at this point in time, yes, we're all under the curse of the Elden Ring. <laughs> like, <laughs> Nothing else can can
0: get out of its shadow. Yeah, uh, but anyway, let's I I completely agree. Um, yeah. and, and this game came out. I'm just I'm pulling up the release date. This game came out the first week of February, which is just like there was too uh. much happening then, and then Elden Ring came out, so like obviously it got dunked on. But uh, the game that I have been playing this week is Ali Ali World. Um, yeah. which is a skateboarding game that is available on a like just a ton of platforms on PC, uh, PlayStation Four, Five, the Xboxes uh and switch <laughs> as well. Um and I I think Ali Ali World is a really fascinating game. So first of all, I was really looking forward to it because I'm a big fan of this franchise. And this is the third game in the franchise, just to be clear. There was Ali Ali, which came out in 2014, and then there was Ali Ali 2, Welcome to Ali World, uh mm. which came out in 2015. So like pretty much back to back. Uh the big thing for me is that I played both of them on the Vita. So having Ali mm. Ali World on the Switch really made me feel like, oh, yes, the Switch is the Vita 2. Finally, <laughs> I have every game that I played on Vita on Switch now, and I have a version of Ali Ali now on here as well. Um, it is worth mentioning that Ali Ali and Ali Ali 2 are both available like in a bundle that you can get for the Switch as well. Right. That, I believe I picked that up. Yeah, Yeah, it goes on sale all the time. I think yeah. you and I got it for three dollars recently. Very, like, very cheap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it, kind of a no brainer pickup. Um, I have gone back and played those two games again in preparation to talk about Ali uh, Ali World, which is the new release. Just to be clear, um, for this episode, and I uh, have realized a lot of stuff. But what I'll say about Ali Ali World that I think is interesting, and in this whole franchise, is that it is essentially a skateboarding game in which you go through levels and try and complete challenges. It feels very much like a really early Tony Hawk game, just set in like a side scrolling 2d plane instead of like a fully 3d environment that you can roll roam around. So the challenges also do feel kind of like Tony Hawk adjacent where it's like high five Mike. and don't wipe out i'm right here
1: i'm I'm waiting for you
0: yeah you're not far off there is a guy named mike Mike and that is his vibe uh and sometimes (laughs) it's like high five mike and don't wipe out or like get all the seagulls to squawk which like of course they're like on or on a grind rail that you have to like grind across and then when you hit them they go and then you know you get points um so that's like kind of the energy you go through these different levels uh and in each level there are three challenges that you have to complete and then also like high scores that you can try and beat there's kind of like a bronze silver gold tier as well um and then there's also this other mechanic that they've added that i really enjoy which is uh about halfway or three quarters of the way through a level they'll put like a checkpoint that you can restart at if you like wipe out or fuck up in some way um and they will give you bonus points if you complete the whole level without needing to use a checkpoint at all which is cool um so like completing a level in ali ali world Consists of getting the highest score you can possibly get, doing the three challenges, and beating the level without uh, mm. hitting a checkpoint, which is pretty cool. And then you move on to the next one. As long as you finish a level, you can move on to the next one. But like, if you really want to be like a completionist about it, um you can do that stuff, and you also get rewarded with a bunch of things, which I'll get into. That said, the gameplay hasn't really changed much between Ali Ali and Ali Ali Two and Ali Ali World, which I think is really interesting. Because, as I mentioned before, Ali came out in 2014. Ali 2 came out in 2015. And then this one's coming out in 2022. So there's really no gap at all between 1 and 2. And then this huge gap for this third yeah. game. And to me, this game feels so much like just kind of a reboot of this franchise. Strangely enough, the thing that I would compare it most to is Rocket League. In that Rocket League is the second game by Psyonix. The first game was called, I think, I think I'm getting this right, super awesome rocket powered battle cars and it was was a (laughs) playstation 3 game that like 15 people enjoyed uh it like (laughs) was i think a commercial failure uh but a a couple people got like really into it and started playing competitively and got like so into it and pushed the skill ceiling so high that it pushed psionics to think like if we change a little bit about this game and about this formula we have a hit here because these people are going wild for it, which I think is like the most brilliant movie could possibly make is like, there are some people who have found the fun in this, even though it wasn't like a full, like a fully complete execution. And then they went back into the chamber, fixed up the art, tuned up the controls, made the overall gameplay, I think just like simpler in general. And then rocket league came out and obviously was a smash hit. Um, You know, I think there's a lot to be said about it coming out on PlayStation plus that made it successful. But like, Rocket League, regardless of how it was released and distributed, is an incredible game. Um, And and I think just goes to show that if you have a great idea through refinement and through revisiting that idea multiple times over years, you can have a successful product by the end of it. Um, And that's very much what Ali Ali World feels like to me, because Ali Ali and Ali Ali 2 are two games that I really, really enjoyed on the Vita. I thought they were really great. What I didn't realize until playing Ali Ali World is how fucking hard they were. They're like extremely difficult games. Uh, and, And I the main thing about Ali Ali as a franchise that it's worth knowing is that you are not playing the game the same way you would like a Tony Hawk game. The way you're playing this game is you're pretty much always moving from left to right. The only things you have to worry about from like a controls perspective is you press the A button to push with your foot to like move to go fast. Outside of that, all actions and inputs are done via the analog sticks. So essentially, if you just like flick up on the analog stick, that's an ollie. If you flick down on the analog stick, that's a nollie, which is ollieing, but with your front foot instead of your back foot. (laughs) Um, If you flick left, you're doing a kickflip. If you're flipping to the right, you're doing a heel flip. Um, And then, you know, the diagonals will do like variations on those things. And that's essentially like how to lift yourself off of the ground. Alongside that, there's like advanced tricks, which is almost like a fighting game in a way where it's like, okay push down on the analog stick and then rotate it in, you know, a counterclockwise degree, uh, you know, counterclockwise or clockwise. And then based on where you lift up your thumb, like where you've stopped rotating the analog stick is what kind of move you do. So like if you go down and then all the way around, like literally 360 degrees and and stop where you started, you'll do like a full pop shove it, which like flips the board around entirely. So that's the left analog stick. The right analog stick is for grabs. So like when you're in the air, if you launch yourself off a of ramp, when you're in the air, you can use the right analog stick to then like grab your board in different places. So that's complex by itself. ali ali and Aliali ali 2 also have this wild mechanic where to land any trick at all, you need to also press the A button again as soon as you land. And based on how close you are to the ground when you press A is how like well you landed that trick. So you want to essentially hit A as soon as the wheels of the board hit the ground and that's like a perfect trick, essentially. So you're managing, even though there's like almost nothing to worry about from a controls perspective, because like you're not using any of the other face buttons. You're not using the the triggers at all. It's just the two analog six and one button. Even with just those three input mechanisms, it is like wildly hard to do anything in Ali Ali. Yeah. The big thing that they were kind of. Going for, I think, with those games is just like you get into a Zen state, you get into a real flow state with those games. Like once you lock into the controls and they kind of become second nature, it does feel a little bit like you have learned an art form and you're like experiencing the art. You're like kind of letting the art move you. It's like playing like jazz or something. It's really wild. It's a wild thing, but it is extremely complex and it's extremely hard to master. And even when you when you like get good at it and understand what you're doing, you're still going to be fucking up tricks all the time, because like knowing what all of the inputs are and then also pressing a every time you land and take off, it's like really a lot to keep track of. That's not even to mention how grinding works, which is like when you're in the air, you have to then press down on the left analog stick to like land on the rail and then, based on what direction your analog stick is facing, is what kind of grind you do. And then you can do tricks off of a grind. So, like, there's just so much to yeah, keep track of. Ali <laughs> Ali and Ali Ali 2 are essentially set up in, in ways where, like, you're just going from level to level and they're just giving you challenges. And you're like a little pixel guy who has, like, a red hat on and a green shirt. And you just, like, try your fucking best. And, like, that's Ali Ali. It's just, like, essentially a score chase more than anything it is, or more than it is anything else. Ali Ali World is like the ultimate refinement of that concept. Ali Ali World is so much more than just a sequel to these games to me. I, I can't overstate how great this game is. I am like completely, completely smitten by it. First of all, it's like the perfect salve after playing Elden Ring for 90-something hours. Say, yeah. <laughs> but outside of that, it's just like a joy. They've completely redone the art style. I would say it has kind of like a, a grimier version of what is like the current trend in like modern kids animation you know the like thing that was like popularized by adventure time and steven universe and things like that like that gotcha. that style that i think a lot of people think is homogenous i don't think it's really homogenous but a lot of people will like look at that and say like why is this everywhere ollie ollie world kind of goes in that direction but it's definitely more inspired by like skate culture than anything else um so everything has a little bit more of like an ooze to it which i really appreciate. Um, You create a character, which, first of all, is just like great to be able to do instead of this like really standard character that you had in Ali Ali and the sequel. Um, And your customization options are like pretty vast. And doing any of those challenges that I was mentioning before, that's like the three challenges in each level, uh, just finishing the level at all, getting the high score like, you know, the, the bronze, silver and gold. Doing all of those things unlocks more customization options for your skater as well very cool very good i like it a lot the story is like absolutely wild just the fact that there is one at all but like (laughs) they very much lean into how completely like bizarre skate culture can be um and and i think they do it in a way that's like tongue-in-cheek and appreciative of it which i appreciate instead of like trying to take it completely seriously like a Tawny Hawk's underground or like American wasteland or something. That's like, you found skateopia like Chad Muska. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Yeah, Like that kind of stuff. Um, This is, this is kind of a more tongue in cheek version of it. So like instead of skateopia, this world is called Radlandia. uh, And it was founded (laughs) by five skate gods. One of them is like an ice cream cone that came alive. The other one is like essentially like a glowing prism of light uh it's great i mean so this th- is
1: also elden ring then i guess yes is it, this is elden
0: ring. <laughs> that's why i like it so much yeah um but essentially you have five worlds and it is literally i didn't even realize this i didn't clock this until like a couple hours in but it is literally set up like a super mario world kind of oh, experience cool. so you start off in like the first uh skate gods realm that they set up the, the whole idea <laughs> is that they they each set up a realm that like encapsulates how they enjoy skating So as you make your way through the different areas, you experience different versions of skating. So the first one is a lot of just like grinding on rails and doing like really short jumps and like linking huge combos together is like the whole first area It's like on a boardwalk essentially by the ocean. The second one is in a forest and involves a lot of like wall rides and like starting to go off like bigger ramps and doing more grabs and things like that. And as you make your way through, you kind of experience different versions of skating all using these mechanics, which as i was mentioning before are like really complex in Ali Ali and Ali Ali 2 but they make one extremely fucking brilliant change in this game that i think makes it so approachable and so much better than the first two that going back and playing the first two i was like i i would never play these ever again i think because this is so much better and it's just removing the need to press the a button when you land a trick oh perfect yeah that one change by itself makes this game So much more fun. It's unbelievable. It took me a while to realize why I was clicking with this game so hard. And I was like, well, I really liked Ali Ali on the Vita. I guess it's just like I'm back in the swing of things. And then I went back to play those two just to like see what was different because I was like, I like this way more than those two. And I and I couldn't figure out why. And then as soon as I went through the tutorial of Ali Ali and they were like, press A to land a trick. I was like, oh, this sucked, actually. (laughs) This was awful. Yeah. Uh, And you know what? Uh, that makes Ali Olly World like I think like the perfect refinement and reboot of that vision I think they knew that they had something really strong on their hands um, and have since gone on to like make not only the most like approachable version of it from a mechanic standpoint but the most approachable version of it from like an aesthetic standpoint as well because essentially what you're doing is just like making your way through these levels doing as many of the challenges and getting as many high scores as you want but you don't really need to to keep progressing and seeing more stuff and the music is unbelievable the music is so so good the soundtrack that they've compiled is amazing and i didn't even realize that i just assumed that like i was starting to hear the tracks looping but they have different tracks for each of the different worlds that you go through so they're all kind of like suited to the space that you're in and they're all amazing um i i i really can't recommend this game highly enough i was like really blown away by it i was excited about it but also like how much do I really want to play another Ali Ali game in 2022? And I'm like, so fucking glad I did. Uh, it, it really is stellar and I'm going to probably finish it. Honestly, I I'm already like pretty far of uh, pretty far through the game, um, in like just a couple of days. So yeah, it's great.
1: It sounds awesome. I, I saw some discussion about it in the discord. It seemed like, you know, prior to Elden rain, just dropping from the heavens. Uh, yeah, it was definitely getting a lot of, discussion and it looks really cool too i think our our friend of the show dom who's also like really into tony hawk and those types of games mm-hmm. um he was really enjoying it too so you definitely sold me on it and uh, maybe we can revisit it if i pick it up or something yeah it sounds yeah. wonderful
0: i would love to know how you feel i feel like you will have a, a strong emotional attachment to it in a way that you're maybe not expecting
1: <laughs> probably
0: that's my vibe but just generally speaking like i'm enjoying it from a score chase perspective i am like I'm on the third world now, but also going back to the first world and like clearing out all the challenges. So pretty much every time I've picked the game up for the past like day or so has been like, okay, what do I want to do? Do I want to keep progressing the story forward or do I want to go back and like try and get this one thing that's been like really nagging at me that I haven't been able to get it yet. You know, do I want to get this one high score? Um, they also do this really wonderful stuff where when you go back and replay levels, if you're connected to the internet, they like find a rival for you. Cause there's like global leaderboards for the game, Um, so you can, like, see everybody's high score, and if you have friends who are playing, you can see their high scores on those levels, and they'll just, like, pick someone from the leaderboard to, like, be your rival, essentially, like, somebody who has a score that's, like, close to yours, but just, like, a little bit higher, like, maybe a couple rungs up on the (laughs) ladder, Um, and then you try and beat them, and there's, like, no reward for doing that. You just did it, and you feel good about it, but uh, I don't know. I just feel like they've really... Almost optimized every corner of this game to feel rewarding and fun and cool and good. Uh, and that's exactly the kind of game that I needed post Elden Ring, I think. Um, yeah, totally. And it, like I said before, it's available on so many things. I mean, it's on PlayStation and Xbox and Switch and PC. Um, but like I think, as with most things, if it runs on Switch very well, then you should probably play it on Switch. Uh, so I think you should probably play it on Switch. That's exciting. That's all Ollie, Ollie World. It's really, it's really good. I, I, I recommend it. Check it out. Hell yeah. Do you want to take a quick break and
1: then resume with everything else we have planned?
0: Yes, please.
1: Sounds good. See you soon. Goodbye. Do a kickflip. Bye. <laughs> Brendan. Hello. We are back. I have some questions for you. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Hit me. You recently played the demo of Final Fantasy. Let me see if I get this right. I'm not Googling it. You already have a it wrong.
0: <laughs> I know it ends with Stranger of Paradise. Final no, Fantasy isn't in the title. What? It, start, it It ends with Final Fantasy. Oh, my God. I guess it does. Yeah. <laughs> the final one. This is it. This is what does it.
1: <laughs> it all ends and begins with Jack. You want, you want to give it another shot? Do you want to start over? Yeah, sure. Uh, okay. Brendan, I have some questions for you. Oh, I didn't playing... mean the segment.
0: <laughs> I meant your guess. But... <laughs> I have
1: to start over kill chaos um (laughs) brendan you've played this awful game (laughs) you streamed the demo of stranger of paradise final fantasy is that it? origins yes there you go ding 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 okay the crowd goes wild stranger of paradise final fantasy origins you streamed it the demo is out i don't know if it's awful i haven't played it but you have and i watched the stream and it was I I know we I know we 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 carry cats with us we we, we harbor <laughs> that energy we're kind of like a vessel for whatever cats twenty nineteen will eventually become. <laughs> I say that because I have truly not felt that dark recess of my brain like tingle with with mm-hmm. big, with like. I don't want to say excitement, but like, just like, oh, I'm awake again. This is the part of your brain you don't need. But it's now turning on like an old car. It's like shooting (laughs) out like weird thoughts and emotions. I had that feeling while watching your stream of, of Stranger of Paradise, and, and I need to know what's up. because so I'm so morbidly curious, and I'm very open for it. I mean, it's hard to say this after watching it, to be completely candid, like no jokes, all jokes aside, but I'm I'm open to it maybe being interesting in some way, but I just need to know, like, what's going on here, because it, it seems more like a mystery than an actual game.
0: Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, I guess just a quick shout out at the top because we, we've been doing this for the past couple episodes. We've been making a lot of stuff on the Internet. You can watch this uh, on our YouTube. It's on youtubecom slash into the cast. It is one of the wildest demos I played freaking ever in my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I look the whole conceit of this show is we only talk about stuff that we like on it. So yeah. I want to I yes. be clear up front that I did not have a great time playing the Stranger of Paradise demo. However. there is that same part of my brain that you're referring to that that cats 2019 Crystalis that will one day emerge into something is really fascinated by this game it feels like a hot mess in the same way that like kingdom hearts 3 did to me kingdom hearts 3 is a game that i think you and i uh, I have like really strong associations with because we sure. at one point recorded two episodes of this podcast back to back about Kingdom Hearts one two and Birth by Sleep in the lead up to Kingdom Hearts three coming out and he was a Hearts. joy it was so fun to do that I great to do I that anything yeah. but we did absolutely back ourselves into a corner we were like we were like <laughs> animals backed into a corner with Kingdom Hearts three threatening us um, and we needed to record an episode of Kingdom Hearts three even though I think you and yeah. I found it to be less than Um,
1: yeah, it was disappointing, but I mean, you know, I I think there was still, (laughs) and this is saying something, I think Kingdom Hearts 3 was still grounded in some reality compared to Stranger of Paradise. Like it's a little bit, yeah, but I know what you mean. I know what what I was going to say was, I
0: I think even though I did not enjoy Kingdom Hearts 3 on the level that I wanted to, and I would even go as far as saying, I don't think it's a very good game. I still did really enjoy a lot of my time with it. There's still a lot of fun to be had there because it is like completely off the wall and so, and trying to tie up so many bizarre loose ends from like. Mobile games and Game Boy Advance spinoffs and Nintendo DS spinoffs, and like it's just it's wrapping up a hundred stories all at once.
1: Remember what Datasaurus said? No, I don't remember. I don't remember what what Datasaurus said. said.
0: I especially don't remember what Datasaurus said in the in canon version of the orchestration that happened live once in (laughs) Tokyo Music Hall. Like those bits of story do not need to be wrapped up in this game. Uh That energy is so palpable in stranger paradise it is it is a completely bizarre thing so i i guess just like fill in a blank if you haven't heard about this i think we've talked about on the show before but just like completely level setting it is essentially a prequel to final fantasy one is the idea or it takes place at the same time as final fantasy one or is somehow related to final fantasy one yeah so what happened with that was the
1: the first trailer uh, it wasn't revealed who Jack the protagonist was mm-hmm. and people very quickly figured out that he's going to end up being Garland. This is like yeah. star Wars prequels on how Jack becomes the villain of final fantasy one. Mm-hmm. So like once people figure that out, like right away, Namora was basically, okay, cool. Now everyone knows. So we're just going to like accept that and include that in all the marketing. His name is Jack Garland, I think. Uh, and, I'm pretty sure the, the plot of Final Fantasy 1, which is, like, pretty loose, like, the actual, like, I've only played the Pixel remaster, but even then, the plot is largely, like, just sort of in the background because so much of that game is, like, exploring and kind of just figuring stuff out in, like, an NES way. Mm-hmm. Um, So this game's story is supposed to be, like, an origin story of the villain and sort of, like, a weird reflection of, like, the final fantasy one, like four chosen warriors with the crystals or whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, which I think on the surface is a cool idea especially totally, Yeah. To, to take a look back at, at this franchise that has been going on for this long and to like reexamine, you know, I, I would say the more tropey elements and like find a new way to, to retell that story is like a cool concept. Um, it's also, uh, like from a game design perspective it's designed by team ninja who are known for making like incredibly, Dense games. Uh, you and I have talked about some of them. I think Neo Two being the one that you and I like the most. Um, when we when we both played that for the show at one point. Yeah. Um. So Team Ninja, like, pretty high pedigree for making good stuff. The thing about this game is that I I just think from like a narrative perspective, the pacing is like completely off the wall. It's like not it's not even real. It's not pacing. Like it's it's anti-pacing in a way, which I think is the thing that's activating the cats twenty nineteen centers of both of our brains in a way because the way this game jumps around uh just to be clear the demo is like all square enix demos the beginning of the game and then when you get to the end of it if you buy the full release you can carry over your save file from the demo into the full game so what i played was the beginning of the game and man is it wild! because like it starts off with this cutscene where chaos is literally annihilating people in a castle like soldiers are like running at him as he's trying to capture a princess and he like there's one guy he takes and uses magic to throw him into the air and then when he hits the ceiling he explodes like the ma- the man the human man explodes when he hits the sea. Ce- like it's really violent it's like shockingly violent yeah. immediate smash cut to jack who is wearing like Nathan Drake's shirt and like combat boots (laughs) in the medieval times somehow, who then gets approached by two other guys named Jed and Ash who are like, Hey, is the huge gigantic dark obsidian egg that you also have in your back right pocket of your jeans glowing? Because we also have those. And then they all just go, Hmm. And then they fist bump. And then they're like, we're all friends now. <laughs> Jack Jack goes, the only thing I know is that it's my mission to kill chaos. And they're like, us too. And then they're like, we're a team. And that's it. That's yeah. the, that's all of the introduction they have between the three of them. And you immediately set out to play the game. You like go convince a king that you have to go kill chaos. Uh, you're thrust into this menu where you have the ability to talk to townspeople, which I thought
1: that broke me, yeah, that so to should be clear, it's like you are looking at this world map and it's like, talk to guard, and then he's like that and it jumps to like as if you were in the town, just like facing the guard, and he's like, "Give chaos a good whacking for us, uh and then it then you go to the next one, and it's like, good luck out there, and like that like there's there's nothing else it's it's the dialogue you would get if you just talked to those characters in passing. as if you were exploring the
0: town yes to be clear you're not exploring the town you're choosing from a list of people to talk to (laughs) you are not actually running around a space and having conversations with people which is so strange so there's that and then immediately you and your team are thrust into chaos's castle where you're then making your way through trying to find chaos and kill them um and that is where I would say the bulk of the actual game is because that is where you're doing, you know, combat. Um, and combat is, I think, I think interesting. I was having a, I was having a strange time with it. Um, I was playing on easy mode when I was doing the stream. Uh, I, I'll, I will probably bump it up if I continue playing through the demo, which just to be clear, I've not picked it up since playing the demo, but I, I'm considering doing it again. Uh, and I'll get to why later, but um, I think in easy mode, it was like it was just like actually maybe too easy. Like it, it was I, I feel like I was just like annihilating people in a way uh, in the way that chaos was in the opening cutscene, I would say, maybe, <laughs> uh, which is on brand Becoming for Jack Garland. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but the way it works is uh, I would say kind of like a Team Ninja meets Kingdom Hearts game in a weird way where like it kind of has that Neo 2 souls influence to it. Um but you're also like warping around the screen using all these wild abilities like in kingdom hearts. I think, I think one of the stronger uh, mechanic additions that they have is this ability to like block all attacks. You have this, you have this move that just like throws up a shield in front of you. So like magical abilities or melee abilities doesn't really matter. If you can block an attack, you can immediately do like a parry and repost kind of thing, um, which again, after playing something like Elden Ring, which is so tight and so intentional about moves like that, um, having one that is like completely throw caution in the wind. We just want you to look cool. We actually don't care if it's like, if it makes sense that you're doing all this stuff, we just want it to look sick as hell. So when you press the guard button, we immediately want you to do the cool thing that's followed by that. And they give you a lot of leeway. I think that that's nice, actually. I think that that's like, it's nice to have something that freeing uh, in a way. But the where the weirdness lies for me is this like constant swapping between abilities and gear and loot because it almost feels like they're going after like a Diablo thing where like all the enemies that you beat are dropping new weapons and new pieces of clothing and new armor sets and stuff like that. Uh, and you can like go into the menu at all times and equip all of these different specific like boots, gloves, shirt, pants, helmet, weapon, uh, offhand weapon, alternate set of weapons. If you want uh, different versions of magic, etc. for every character. Uh, Which means that you spend a lot of this time in the menus instead of actually playing the game, which I thought was really strange. So my cadence of playing the demo was like, take out three villains, like take out three enemies in the world, sit in a menu and equip stuff, go take out more enemies in the world, sit in a menu and equip stuff (laughs) until somebody in chat pointed out there's just like an optimize loadout button. At which in at which point I was like, OK, that's all I'm going to do now. I'm just going to optimize loadout. But what that means is that all my characters look fucking ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> as we're walking through this cave. And then, you know, in a like serious cutscene where they come face to face with chaos, it's like so they look like idiots. Look I mean, that so adds to it though. Yeah, I. OK. Yes. Here we go. All of this having been said, I think the ga- I, I don't think the game is good, but I do think the game is camp and i think i will probably play it because of that i do think this has a cat's 2019 element where like i think it might actually be worth experiencing this is extremely aided by the fact that reviews dropped for this game today and are wildly all over the map but but there are some people who are effusive about it and are like this game is complete nonsense and i love it for that reason <laughs> that is like the exact kind of energy that you and i bring to a lot of our <laughs> a lot of the media that we consume sure so it almost does feel tailor-made for us this this is yeah. a game that i had absolutely no interest in when they first announced it and over time it's like it's actually so silly that i feel like it it must be self-aware and must be leaning into the camp because like the scene where jack meets chaos which is like famous at this point right. where he ends the conversation by blaring limp biscuit out of his cell phone <laughs> there's a moment right before the tutorial starts in the demo where uh it hard cuts to to jack waking up in a field to frank sinatra while you do the tutorial (laughs) like i i don't understand where these choices are coming from but they all aid this greater sense of like they knew that this was stupid and they love that it's stupid I can't tell. I don't think we'll ever truly know.
1: Like, I think like it's either it's either self-aware or it's so not aware that it (laughs) has gone around the other way. Because like, I honestly, for in those moments, like Frank Sinatra in a field and the bullshit scene, that's incredible like no matter what the intention was those are great <laughs> moments the bulk of it seems kind of like nauseating like it's it's so off-putting to see like an angry man in gap talking to a king it's like <laughs> my brain like splits and just uh, runs in different directions and like I, I the 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 bulk of the scenes like in between those moments like <laughs> there's a scene where <laughs> okay I have to get it but there's yeah, a scene right? the at the beginning where they're like oh look at that scar on Jack's face and he goes eh, nothing a bit of spit won't fix and then there's like a <laughs> yeah. recurring gag about spit being a medicine it's like what is happening yeah, the, the, what watching
0: the, the actual plot before that sequence too is that the three of them met they all decided that they had these cool jewels in their back right pocket of their gap jeans and then they went to go try and convince the king to fight chaos and the king said i need you to go kill some other monsters first and then instead of you doing that because this is a video game so of course the king would be saying that so you could go do a couple of tutorial quests and get that under your belt they time jump to when the three of them have finished killing all the monsters in a far off land and are on a boat back to go talk to the (laughs) king and say now it's time to kill chaos so the first actual gameplay sequence is you going to kill chaos instead of this literal side quest that they expound upon in dialogue. That's what I'm talking about from a pacing perspective. It is like it's so completely wrong that I (laughs) that I I almost feel like there's an excitement to it because I have no idea what could possibly happen in this video game. There's no there are no
1: rules. It's truly chaos.
0: I don't want to talk about this too much because I have a feeling wink wink nudge nudge that you and i will talk about this eventually but it sure. reminds me a lot of one of the main complaints about dark souls 2 versus dark souls 1 <laughs> uh-huh. where it just bear with me too much but, new metal yeah too, yeah, much, yeah. too much limp biscuit um everybody sucks in dark souls 1 the thing that a lot of people cling to and a lot of people point to and say like this is fucking peak from soft this is why we play these games which i think is silly but uh, bear with me is the <laughs> fact that the whole world loops back on itself, right? Like the whole thing is interconnected. You can stand in one place, see another level. You're going to go to vice versa. You unlock, uh, you know, quick access points between the different areas, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not really the case in dark souls Two. The world is kind of broken in a way where it's like, Oh, I'm at the bottom of this tower looking up. And when you climb to the top of that tower, there's an elevator that takes you up into another castle that's floating in a bed of lava that, like, literally can't exist in that physical space. A lot of people didn't like that, and I thought that that was exhilarating because that meant that I had no idea what was coming at any point. Just one of many reasons I fucking love Dark Souls 2. I'll talk about it eventually. Hell yeah. That's how I feel about this game, though. I, I feel like at any point I'm going to ride an elevator up into a, into a volcano castle because I there's just no way of knowing. Like, OK, the king tells me to go do a side quest and then the game skips over the side quest like that kind of <laughs> logic or lack thereof is like the reason to play stranger paradise to me um, yeah the, the worst thing it could be for me is
1: boring like yes. and that's kind of what i'm worried about is like if, if there's at least three more bullshit-esque scenes i will pick it up there's
0: gotta uh, be we already yeah. have experienced at least two more just in the demo that's true we just got- <laughs> in the first hour of the demo we got spit is the best medicine, Frank Sinatra
1: in the fields, and then bullshit. Uh, God, yeah, we got to know. So, you know, maybe maybe one day we'll revisit this. But it it comes out at the end, end of the week, right, out. I
0: think? I think so, yeah. Man, there's a lot of stuff coming out. Uh, the day that this episode comes out is uh is Tunic, I believe. Uh, That's which right. I'm very, I'm very excited, excited about and then, And yeah. then uh, tomorrow... Or the day after this episode comes out is Persona 4 Arena Ultimax for the Switch, and then the day after that is Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin. So uh, a lot of stuff just this week, very exciting. If I
1: if I start Stranger Paradise before I finish Elden Ring, I feel like my my credit will freeze or something. Like <laughs> I I will lose access to something important. So I gotta maybe wait that one out, but we'll see.
0: Uh, I just I just feel like this is going to be a game that you and I are gonna for some reason find it within ourselves to go to bat for like for the rest of time Uh, that's a a commitment brendan (laughs) i saw a tweet that i i can't overstate the importance of to me which said uh stranger paradise final fantasy origin is like if kingdom hearts had one world and it was fast and furious and that is that that tweet is like so singularly correct uh that i i feel the need to play the whole thing and and report back we will see. I'm not. I'm not quite ready to go to bat
1: for Jack yet. But maybe one day I'll wake up and in my dad jeans pocket. I'll feel a weird vibrating dark crystal and know that I found my friends.
0: How do they not understand that they're the villains with their dark glowing crystal? <laughs> I found this bloody skull in my apartment. <laughs> Do you have one, too?
1: <laughs> Fist bump. Let's go work for the king. Ah, I got
0: a spit on my arm again.
1: <laughs> Let's
0: take a break and come back and talk about even more video games. <laughs>
1: that went so long. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> 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 I need, I'm, like, infected now. I need to know more. <laughs> okay brendan it was very difficult putting stranger of paradise final fantasy origins in the middle of an episode because i feel like I, I feel like i've been thrown upside down yeah and I, I i can't think
0: about other things anymore but i will I will say that we are covering the full spectrum of human emotion on this episode of the podcast <laughs> that's the four humors yeah
1: we had the whatever the biles represent you know what i mean Anyway, I've been playing some video games too. They're the same ones from last week. <laughs> I unfortunately haven't had a lot of time to play anything new for the show this week, but I have I'm about halfway through Triangles, Project Triangle, Project Triangle Strategy. I'm halfway through Triangle Strategy and obviously been playing a lot of Elden Ring. Just a quick update on on Triangle Strategy. Uh it's really good. It's been really fun. It's <laughs> it's the one game that somehow has managed to like be my companion piece to Elden Ring, which is again, it's high praise. I it's also been fun to talk in the Discord about that game because there is that element of like what did you choose on this path? Like there's so mm-hmm. many. Now that I'm halfway through, I can see the game is like a visual flowchart of like when you deviated from a certain course. And, like, the amount of replayability just from that seems to be pretty high because, like, you could go down the same path but then do, like, the next decision differently or Mm. vice versa. And sometimes there are even choices to make, like, in a battle. Um, Without spoiling, there's a battle where there's kind of a shortcut to victory, but... It's sort of something you'll have to ask yourself if you want to do. And I've been really enjoying it. I mean, pretty much everything I've said before still stands. Like, it's really... Like the tactics are the star of it. There's still the issue of, like, the proportionality of cutscenes to battles to scales of conviction scenes. I've also run into some issues with the exploration phase. There's a point I was at where, like... So there's, there's another part of it where you're just like kind of exploring a town and looking for information. Yeah. Talking to people. You have an opportunity there to like find items, level up your scales of conviction in some way because they'll usually be a character to two to talk to, and you can choose like dialogue options that will strengthen uh, one of your three convictions. But there was a point where like I was tasked with finding evidence against a character, and the game, 99% of this game is so clearly telegraphed. Like, the game does a great job of, like, teaching you what the rules are, how to play, what options you have. And it just goes full 1992 in, like, one mission. Like, I had, like, the the way in which I was to find evidence and the way in which I was supposed to deliver that evidence was, like, baffling. Like, Hmm. I actually... I found the evidence and then it got to the scene where I had to deliver it. And Sarah Noah was like, I don't know. <laughs>
0: I was like, oh, well, we found
1: it. Um, so, so there's a little bit of tension there. It's not, it's not like a deal breaker or anything, but I have mm. like run into that a couple times from what I've gathered talking to people in the discord about it. It seems like that's like a standout moment. It's kind of strange, mm. but uh, it's been cool to see the cast grow mechanically. I, I'm at a point where most of my characters I've been able to advance in their class and i'm seeing like the full potential of a lot of units and, like using different units and all the maps are really cool and all the different ways that victory is required is really well done mm. so I'm, I'm pretty solidified on this game at least for the tactics being like one of the best i think it's surely yeah. like somehow pulled off being this amalgamation of like every good tactics game um, the story also gets more compelling, though I have to say, and I don't really know if I have like a definitive answer or take on this, but the game is largely about making very gray decisions. Like whenever there's a branching path, there's usually not like a good choice. Mm. Um, and even even if there is something that resembles a good choice, it's usually naive in some way. But I just reached a choice recently where I was like, it is almost fucked up this is even a choice and I've started to like be a little put off by that element like I I sometimes wonder and it's hard to say because I'm not against like a piece of media going to dark places but and I wonder if this was intentional I wonder if this was like the moment where you could really drive a wedge in the party if you like chose one thing or actually you don't get to choose you have to go with whatever the party votes with but I was like I cannot believe my comrades here are like some of them are that like any cool. of them are advocating for this yeah, thing. yeah I'm like I'm like I've just lost like all respect for three and a half of my party mates Anna was undecided she gets a pass um Oof. but uh even still, but like so that's that's a little bit troubling for me again it's not something that i I necessarily like think is a bad move. I think it's like in line with what the game has been doing but sometimes i wonder i i guess i just like there's a couple angles to this where like one is like there's there's a tricky balancing act in like role-playing games where there's an option that is broadcasted as being evil Mm -hmm. or a route that is like really fucked up morally yeah um and it's like okay the story could be interesting if these characters like have to navigate through this but but as the player, like, why am I being put? It's, it's, it, it I don't know. It, like, it feels like it crosses a little bit of a line for me. And I'm not sure, like, how to really comment on that without explaining. Like, I don't want to spoil what the decision is. Um, but I do think that role playing games often have that task. I mean, even like something like Mass Effect, where there are some decisions in that game that are like clearly amoral, or there are some things Shepard could say. That are kind of wild, and it goes to like, okay, am I am I role playing as a character? Am I just sort of seeing what would happen if I did this? Mm. And ultimately, I think a lot of role playing games benefit from having that wide scope. Um, But sometimes it's like, what are we accomplishing by even like having this as an option? You yeah, know, like sometimes right. I have to ask myself that question of like, why can I blow up a town in Fallout Three? Like, what's accomplished by this? Yes. Um, other than just like, oh, you can be evil. Like, I think that that's right. Like that's kind of a novelty to be like, you could be good or bad. Um, You know, we talked about fable a while ago with our friend Adam and like that game is so cartoony that it kind of works. Cause it's like, mm. you know, you can either like do the main plot or burn down a town or whatever. It's like right. it's, it's so night and day that it's like almost camp. Um But triangle strategy is, is like, I think, and this kind of goes into it's trying to be my, more grounded. It's trying to be more grounded. Yeah. And I think like, Moments like that, it comes off like kind of tonally inconsistent because mm. there's there's already this sort of like, you know, there, there's this melodrama that has kind of like cut the tension in a lot of moments, but then there are these these chapters that go into like really, really heavy stuff. And I don't know sometimes if it's like handled as responsibly as it could be. Yeah. All that to say, I do think that like the story... Becomes more interesting as you go through. And I think the the number of cutscenes works more as you go further in because, like, it's less world building and more action. Yeah. But even still, oh, that makes like, sense. I, I think <laughs> what's funny too is they also add so there's the you know, character stories where you end up recruiting new characters for your team. But they also have like Fire Emblem support scenes that unlock at some point. Right. But they're all flashbacks, which I think is hilarious. Like every single one of them is a character at camp being like, this reminds me of that day three years ago. And then it's a flashback. <laughs> it's like, why is there like a, and that kind of goes into the strange, like regimented division of the game where it's like, this is the cutscene. This is the flashback cutscene. Right. This is the other place cut scene. This is the main story cut yeah. scene. It's like Al- almost, that could have been almost delivered. like
0: all of the teams worked on those disparate elements and then they all like piece them together like a puzzle at the end instead of having <laughs> conversations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So
1: all that to say, like as a as a full package, I think it's definitely way more successful than than Octopath was at like delivering on what was promised. I And I think that like this team has clearly shown they know how to design a game mechanically and like the music is great. Like I really would recommend this game to any fan of tactics or people who want to get into the genre, but I just wanted to kind of address those caveats as I encounter them.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I've I haven't played the game at all since Elden Ring <laughs> came out, but yeah. um now that I'm done with that, I, I'm excited to go back to it, especially now that I'm playing Ali Ollie, Ollie World and like kind of getting back into playing Switch again. Uh, I, I feel like every once in a while I just like kind of veer back and forth between the different consoles and stuff. So I, I had kind of veered away from the Switch for a little bit, but Ali Ollie, Ollie World has brought me back. And every time oh, yeah. I open it, the, ne- the thing right next to it is Dark Souls Remastered. But the thing next to that is Project Triangle Strategy. <laughs> uh, so it's there when you
1: need it um, it's, it's there when i need
0: it yeah i'll i'll, I'll go back to it because i i am curious about it um it it feels like kind of a, a really early dark horse game of the year contender uh, and it is at least a game that i want to put more time into before i really like fully form an opinion about it i have a lot yeah. of like i i would say you know even having played like i don't even know how much like four or five hours at this point i still feel like i only have preconceived notions about this game i feel like i don't have conceived notions Uh, yeah you know
1: i think you'll enjoy it i don't think it's gonna like i would be surprised if you felt the need to finish it to be honest i think this might be like because in our conversations about a lot of tactics games the ones you and i go like fully in on are the ones that are more uh narrative focused in a way that complements the experience like Three Houses you know, it was like all about that cast and those relationships. Right. Um, and when we talked about stuff like advanced wars and the older fire emblems on game boy advance, that was a little bit more my, my speed and yeah. than yours. I do think you'll like have fun with this. I mean, you've played enough of it to know that the tactics will work. I'm just curious if you'll be, Pulled in enough by the narrative to like want to keep going. It is interesting because I feel
0: like nine times out of ten, I am the person who is more mechanics focused than story focused. But when it comes to tactics, it's very much the reverse. It feels like, yeah. And and I I really need the the thing. uh, Look, not to make this another fucking three houses segment, but like the thing the thing (laughs) about three houses that succeeded far more than any other tactics game I've ever played is the way they were able to deliver weight in combat via the narrative. Like yes. the ability to go and have conversations with all my students, uh, to decide who I'm spending time with, who I'm investing time into, et cetera, et cetera. Just like th- those phases of the game all complemented all the battles that happened. So even like a one-off piece of dialogue where somebody is upset that they killed somebody else is like hugely important based on the literal hours of conversations I've had with them before that battle. Um, And what's interesting about triangle strategy is I feel like they're trying to have that same weight without the player agency to determine who that weight should be given to. That's a great point. They're just trying to give it to everybody and they're trying to kind of even though it's a game about choice, like literally it is about three options at all times. Unfortunately, the way that they've chosen to do that is you can only choose at those inflection points, really um, everything else is kind of predetermined and preordained. And that means that they, they really want players to have a very, very specific narrative experience. Um, and they want it to have, they want them to have it in that very specific way as well, which ends up being, You sit there for literally 30 minutes to an hour and watch a cutscene and then you do a battle. Uh, Yeah.
1: There's actually a great review of Triangle Strategy on Polygon that kind of addresses this exact issue of like not trusting the player to fill in the blanks, which is something we talked about a lot on our Fire Emblem Awakening bonus. Yeah. Um, And how that game, like, I, the more I play like other tactics games, the more I, like i love three houses it's probably my favorite fireman game but awakening i think is a really perfect balance between Mm. like the two styles and i think what fireman games tend to do so well prior to three houses is like giving you these characters and your relationship to those characters is kind of determined by a if they survive and b) like how useful are they to you and like what story is that indirectly writing Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. the fact that like and and i think Three houses kind of knew that that's what players did and kind of gave you a little bit more like writing to back that up, um not so much that it felt out of your control, but like you know we all have different epilogues, like who ended up together at the end or what was their fate after the game, yeah, and like stuff like that where it's like okay it's it's a little bit more etched in stone like who these characters are, we get to know them on a much deeper level than in past games, but there's still that nuance of like. Who are you investing in? What class did you make this character? I don't mind that the class system in Triangle Strategy is like fixed, but even though progression is like really streamlined and it's fun to see the characters grow, it is there's very little room for like changing how a character plays. You're just sort of making them stronger.
0: Yeah. Um and like I actually prefer that in Triangle sure. Strategy versus Fire Emblem. Like I, yeah. I def I definitely prefer that 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 fixed character because I, I just feel like it actually aids that character in a way to of say course, like they yeah. are this. There are a couple standouts I think in Fire Emblem where they actually do like narratively lean into the fact that this person is the wrong class, which I think is yeah. like really fascinating in those moments if you can uncover them. Um, but yeah, th- this this works better for me uh, in triangle strategy. Um, it's I a, can see just, a it's, case it's really, for both. That's the thing; it's, yeah. it's really imbalanced, which is really ironic given the whole thing is about scales. But like, <laughs> whole, it's just like all of the elements of this game don't don't feel like they're given the proper amount of weight at the times so that they're supposed to be given the proper amount of weight. They just um, they don't
1: complement each other. I, th- I think yeah. it's actually very fitting. I mean, three houses is not hard for us to bring up. I think it actually is a perfect comparison point because. On on a surface level, if you're just to do the math and say like how much of three houses is cutscenes, how much of it is like the support scenes, how much of it is like navigating menus, talking to people, yeah. it's probably like equal, but again, that game is like a mirror. Like the the way that one part aids the other. And I always when games are divided in that way, I know the division is good when I'm looking forward to doing the other thing while I'm doing the current thing. Yeah. Like in three yes. houses, I'm always looking forward to going back to the monastery after a battle and I'm also Just spending a lot of that time yeah. Pre- yeah preparing for the next battle. Same with Persona. Like when I'm out, you know, in school mm-hmm. exploring Tokyo, I'm like I would love to go inside my horrible gym teacher's head after class <laughs> <laughs> and fight yeah. some demons. Um but yeah, I think I think triangle strategy is like definitely a step in the right direction for that team and I think that like I don't want to keep saying like whatever they do next, but I do think they will eventually strike that balance and and make like an all timer. Like they're so close. I to know doing
0: that that. Is, that is what this feels like. Really, like it do, It does yeah. feel like the next stepping stone. I mean, yeah. The-
1: I think they could. Like definitively make us like I know we said this about Octopath that we kind of wanted a sequel. I would I think it's very easy to make like a triangle strategy two or something. Like it can be like a different kingdom, different characters, and like you can just tweak it a little bit. Just do a and fire I emblem,
0: think, yeah. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> it's like, oh man, we we've made every game triangle strategy. We gotta rethink this name. Um but uh yeah i think i think that uh, as it stands it's still a great time and i've been seeing in the discord some people are already on new game plus and that seems like a fun experience so cool. yeah I, I will i will i will report back on it and i i think it's i mean it's so early in the year but i i think it's definitely like on that list of like these are games that we loved this year and may or may not make the list at the end of the year so we'll yeah
0: see. interesting
1: triangle strategy
0: uh it's available for the nintendo switch
1: i hope that it's pc port eventually that's what happened with octopath it eventually got on other things yeah yeah yeah. Uh, octopath made
0: it to xbox and pc yeah i don't know about playstation but it's definitely out on those other two that i mentioned uh i imagine the same will happen with triangle strategy okay let's take a break and then come back and talk about even more video games does that sound good to you sounds good to me okay goodbye bye welcome back to the podcast so this is a heavier thing to talk about Uh, and just want to make that clear up front i look i don't have like the expertise or like truly even the knowledge to talk like i think authoritatively about this but like there's a war happening uh at the moment and it's objectively terrible generally speaking i i I think it's it's worth uh giving your money to the people of ukraine to help them out of this like really truly heinous horrible thing that's happening to them um and Itch.io, who we talked about before, um, has put together a bundle uh, for the people of Ukraine where they're raising money for the people of Ukraine. Um, And if you buy this bundle, which I think is ten dollars is like the entry price, um, you get something. I think it's nine hundred and ninety two games right now um and i can't recommend doing it enough um unfortunately as of the day this episode comes out i think there's only two days left to back it so if you're hearing this the day this episode comes out i implore you to do that as quickly as possible um but i just want to talk about a couple games that are in here of course just because like a i've been playing them and i think they're great and i want to talk about them and b just i think it's worth highlighting some stuff uh if that incentivizes even one extra person to back this bundle then that's worth it um so i'll say on a top level there are a bunch of like larger games that are extremely worth shouting out some we've talked about on the show before some we haven't but are like kind of bigger indie games that i think are worth highlighting uh skatebird for example is in here um crosscode which is a game you and i really loved oh, is yeah. in here kingdom two crowns is a game that i just played and talked about on the show recently yeah. uh is in here Wander Song is really wonderful and is in here um super hot is in here all of the thunder lotus games i think except for spiritfarer so uh that's jotun and sundered um are both in here which are both really cool uh, short hike baba's you there's like a lot of really good stuff in here celeste is in here minute Just, like, a lot of hits, you know, a lot of games that you and I extremely love. A Mortician's Tale, which you talked about on the show. Yeah. Towerfall. I mean, again, a lot of really good stuff. Um, I wanted to highlight a couple of the smaller games that I thought were really great that I've been playing recently, Um, because whenever there's a big bundle like this, I'm always really interested in, like, the stuff that just kind of catches my eye as I'm scrolling through literally a list of 1,000 games and and see how I feel about them. Um, So i played a lot of stuff, and I have picked out four games uh, that I want to talk about pretty quickly. Uh it's worth mentioning all the games I'm about to talk about are available on PC and Mac at least. I will also shout out some of the ones that are available for mobile. Um but anyway, this game uh I played it on Mac. It's called Self Checkout Unlimited. It's a game about uh exploring an empty shopping mall in the 90s and I'll just say that uh it is a game that you might think is a horror game but is not. Uh, Just think a lot about what the title of the game is before you play it. Uh, And I I recommend having only that information when you go to play it. It takes like maybe an hour, hour and a half to play the whole thing. I think maybe even less. I, I wasn't timing myself, so I'm not really sure. But I think it was only like an hour. It's really good, uh, and I recommend checking it out. You'll have a good time, Uh, although some of the puzzles are actually more difficult than I was expecting them to be, uh, which is maybe why it took me longer than it should have. So that's self-checkout unlimited. It's great. Another one, this one is available for mobile as well. Uh, It's called Swim Out. I actually ended up buying this one on my phone as well. I played a little bit of it on Mac and was like, I would like to have this in my bed or in a chair. Uh, That isn't the one in front of my computer. Uh, So I played this game as well uh, on my phone. It's essentially, uh, you know, those classic uh, puzzle games where you have to, like, move a red car out of a parking lot and, like, you have to move all of the other cars in the parking lot, like, back and forth.
1: I had, like, a physical version of that as a kid. Was uh, Was it called Gridlock? Yes, it is called something? gridlock. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that game. It's very so similar to
0: gridlock in a way, um, but you are a swimmer in a pool in what I, I would say the late the late 1910s to like early 1920s New York City. It, it has an extremely strong aesthetic that I really, really appreciate. I like it a lot. Whenever you swim in a direction, all the other people in the pool will swim in a direction that is like telegraphed by the way that they're facing at the time. So the game kind of starts off very simply where it's like just make your way through this kind of like maze of other swimmers swimmers if you and a swimmer occupy the same space the lifeguard uh, blares their whistle and then you have to get out of the pool um and you have to start again (laughs) so uh that's kind of how the game starts and then they start adding more mechanics to it um which i really appreciate uh they they get into some stuff where like uh oh they have a beach ball that they add and then when you get the beach ball you can throw it at another swimmer and they'll stop swimming because they're like ow you hit me in the face with a beach ball and then they stop swimming for like one or two moves so then you can swim around them and it's just like a very good, well-executed puzzle game where everything kind of stacks up on top of one another uh, and they just keep introducing mechanics until it's over. It's really great. It's called Swim Out. That's awesome. Big recommend on that one. The next one I want to talk about is uh, I think one that you would like a lot. So I kind of don't want to say too much about it to oh, wow. you. Um, a lot of these, as, as you can tell, are like games that kind of require uh, not, not a lot of... Uh, preamble i would say Uh, but this one is called adventure for a bit
1: (laughs) that's what the title really got to me it's a really good title yeah
0: essentially you are you're a person who's using a computer um, (laughs) that is controlled by an ai named bit oh cool and bits whole deal is that they are an ai that is made for just generating like really beautiful like virtual worlds their whole goal as an ai is to create quote-unquote the perfect world and they need your help To create that world. So essentially, they create a world. You get dropped into that world, and you have like a, you know, you could like move around with Wazzy and and the mouse, and you can jump up really high in the air like you have superpowers. Whenever you want, you can stop that world and you can rate it in a bunch of different ways. It's like, oh, do I want it to be curvier? Do I want it to be more mountainous? Do I want it to be more colorful? Things like that. And over the course of the game, you and Bit will help each other create uh, the perfect world and uh, maybe you'll learn something along the way. And uh, it's really nice. It takes like maybe 20 minutes total. Oh, wow. And uh, I really, really, really liked it. Uh, so are each
1: of the worlds like set or are they procedurally generated? They're
0: all procedurally generated. That's the whole wow, thing. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. But I mean, they're to be very clear. They're very simple. I mean, it's literally right. like the whole sky is orange and then there's a bunch of like sh- weird purple spikes shooting out of the ground. You can't really walk at all. Uh, and then when you get when you get into the, like, ranking, you could be like, I wish it was less spiky. And then they'll be like, yeah, it should be less spiky. One world this
1: has a red sky and it's full of mushrooms and sleeping dragons. And you're yeah. like,
0: huh, yeah, not e- the perfect world. Even that is, like, more detail than you get in these worlds. Like, the worlds sure. are literally, like, just terrain and what color is the sky. Um, At one point they had stars and, like, that's the most detail mm. you get in a place. That, that was even maybe too much uh, of a spoiler. <laughs> we'll
1: reel it back in, Ben. No stars here. I don't want to see stars uh
0: but that's called adventure for a bit i think it's really nice it's a really touching game yeah. um I, I i had a really good time with it and the last one i want to shout out that i just am like madly madly in love with that i think you would like a lot as well it's called gun rounds um which is a turn-based roguelike uh that is available on mobile as well this is another one that i started playing for like five minutes having gotten it in the bundle and was like i really really want this on my iphone like stat uh yeah and I am like completely, completely over the moon about this game. It looks, I would say, uh, and and I saw some reviews that were like dunking on the game for this. And I don't really think this is a dunk personally, but like it kind, it kind of has like a Downwell aesthetic in terms of just like a very clear two color design. Um, I think Downwell is a little bit more like purposely pixely than this game is. This game is a little bit more rounded and has uh, kind of a, 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 a distinct art style. I would say that separates it out. But essentially the way it works is you are given uh, an ability to shoot an enemy uh, and you have to... Pick whatever ability that you have. Uh, There are a couple and I'll get into what I'm talking about, but you pick one and then you kind of aim back as if you're playing like a a golfing game on your iPhone or something. You aim back towards an enemy and you shoot that enemy and they have a set amount of health, et cetera, et cetera. When you do your attack, you will damage them for however much. And that is your turn. This is, again, a turn based game. As soon as your turn is over, all of the enemies attack you. And they'll attack you in different ways depending on what kind of enemy they are, uh, which is essentially like a bullet hell where your only recourse is to press down on the screen, which creates a bubble shield around you. So you have to just time the shield to essentially stop whatever projectile is coming at you. It kind of feels like Undertale in that way, but imagine mm-hmm. if in Undertale you didn't have to move around, you just had to like press a shield button at the right time to not get hit by stuff. Gotcha. So you're constantly in this kind of push and pull in this game where... You're using your abilities and every time you use an ability, you're using up your ammo, which you have like a set amount of ammunition. Um, So you're constantly in this like push and pull of, okay, how much ammo am I using to do this attack? Am I using enough ammo where like I'll be able to wipe out a couple enemies and that'd be great? Or am I trying to conserve ammo so I can, you know, do a kind of bigger move later? And every time you use any move, you just have to be aware of how many enemies are left on the screen and how much time you're going to have to devote to like essentially protecting yourself against attacks is like how much of this can I like realistically take? Uh, and and what kind of moves can I do to like lessen that load? So you start off with just like a basic ability, which is like just shoot a bullet at a guy and it does two. it does like two damage, essentially, you start to get more interesting abilities over time. Like you'll get a gun that shoots out a bunch of like bamboo shoots, which pierce enemies for a bunch of damage, but it uses four bullets instead of one. Or you'll get a, a gigantic bullet, which will explode into like a couple little pieces of shrapnel or something that will attack a bunch of enemies at once. And that's really great, obviously. Or like you can shoot out a beehive that then like a bunch of bees come out and they'll sting a bunch of enemies around, things like that. Um, And you just kind of have to weigh the push and pull of how much you are willing to spend on ammunition to then survive the next onslaught of attacks that come at you throughout all of this, you're gaining money, you're going into shops at the end of every world and trying to. Uh, you know, optimize your build essentially to make it all the way to the end where there is a very large boss that you have to beat. Um, I have beaten the game one time. It was exhilarating. I really, really enjoyed it. I really recommend this game. It's called gun rounds. It's so fucking good. Uh, it's going to be a mainstay on my iPhone. I think for a really long time, I really, really like it. That's awesome.
1: I love when there's a roguelike where it's like, I oh, no, I'm going to beat this exactly once and I'll be riding that high for the rest of my life. That's <laughs> FTL for me. Yes. Like, and I, I lost that save, which breaks my heart. But like when you, when you, slight spoiler I guess for FTL but when you beat that game you unlock a ship that is like broken it's so good Mm -hmm. so it's like like they're kind of just like okay you've already done the hard part here's like an unfair ship just to mess around with
0: yeah I love that game Uh, gun rounds is a game that I think you should pick up I think you'll like it a lot I think so too specifically the thing that I've been thinking a lot about is I I just I just want more turn based roguelikes like now now that I've gotten into I think like turn based combat systems generally speaking from doing this podcast like I I want (laughs) to see that blended with the roguelike genre more and I know that that's like kind of a silly thing to say because there are a lot right like pretty much every card game like Slay the Spire and everything inspired by that is technically a turn based roguelike usually but I think there are more interesting not more interesting but I think there are like I think there are more as in multiple interesting ways of going about solving that problem. Um, and and Gun Rounds really felt like an aha moment for me on that front where it's like, oh yeah, this is something I've just not seen before. And I would love yeah. I would love to see more people experiment with stuff like that. This is a very cool game. It does I would say, although I played it a little bit on Mac and then on mobile, it feels way more suited for mobile, like the act of actually touching your thumb on the screen to block enemy projectiles feels really good compared to just clicking on the screen. So I I think that tactile element makes me want to recommend getting it on mobile, but also back the bundle anyway. Yeah. You get it on your computer. Um, I just think for me, it was worth buying twice.
1: That reminds me a bit of Fantasian in the sense of like using Mm. touch controls in a turn based structure i also think just in terms of like exploring what turn-based combat can be i like when games have the turn order to like give you time to strategize and think ahead but also the action that you take on the turn isn't just selecting a menu like you can have turn-based combat yeah that that has more going on than just saying like i choose attack or whatever mm-hmm. you know like i think persona 5 does a great job kind of focusing on spectacle and like the, the cinema of like what you choose. It largely is still menu based, but like I think that's like one of the best executions of like turn based as we know it. But then you have stuff like Fantasian um, or even like this is a little bit older, but like what I played a Valkyria Chronicles, like that is a third person shooter that takes place in a turn based structure where it's like, yeah, your turn is you have to move. You have to like move while taking like open gunfire and like try to, you know, find cover
0: in a turn. So mm-hmm. there's a
1: lot to explore there. And I think adding the roguelike element as well, there's, there's a plethora of things that can come from that.
0: Yeah, I totally agreed. All that said, uh, the bundle for Ukraine is available still. I'll obviously have the link in the show notes. Um, I'll put it on Twitter as well, but you should back this while you can. It's, uh, a really great thing. Um, they've raised, Absolutely. uh, almost $6 million as wow. of the time of this That's recording, wonderful. which is pretty, yeah, it's pretty great. So go check it out and uh, all those games are really good and there are a lot of other ones that i still want to try and haven't even had the time to check out uh, yeah i
1: still have 900 from the last bundle we got <laughs> yeah
0: there is there's a little bit of an overlap there which i, I uh, cool. kind of enjoy so i'm seeing a lot of like old hits for, uh like shutter stroll was one that i talked about from the uh yeah, the last bundle that we talked that's about right. which um i really liked uh, i mean there, there's so much good stuff in here so just check it out absolutely i think like oh, even yeah. if you don't plan on playing any of them just do it that's anyway it's a good cause absolutely yes, exactly Cool. You want to take a break and come back and uh talk about some more stuff? I would love to. See you soon. Bye-bye. Uh Elden Ring spoilers probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh. I look, I'll just I'll just say this uh off the top. I'm not planning on like giving anything away but again it's always worth mentioning when we're talking about from soft stuff that like we're gonna we're gonna talk about something in here it's gonna be about elden ring and if you consider anything about elden ring a spoiler then maybe skip this segment thank you so much for listening we love you so much we love uh, you i have i have finished the game at this point uh, I 90 to 93 hours in wrapped it somewhere in that vicinity. I don't really know where Um, my save file says like 94 hours. So I imagine somewhere in there. Maybe I've played some more, but I'll just I'll say this because I, I think I've been hesitant to say it for all of the segments that we've done about it. Going back to the first one, I I do think this is probably one of the best games of all time. I think this is maybe one of my favorite games of all time. I think this is probably the best FromSoft game. I know I'm still using a lot of like qualifying words like probably and maybe Maybe here but i'm inching more towards like definitively like put this up against bloodborne which was my favorite from soft game and i it's it's really hard to beat elden ring in a lot of situations i i feel pretty strongly this is gonna be my game of the year i probably will play it again before the year is over as well i'll probably jump into new game plus and do that i mean it it's it's outstanding and and just for you and everybody else who's listening who is like Maybe you haven't picked it up or maybe you picked it up but you're like early on and you're like, this will be the game I play throughout the year. It stays as good as it is literally all the way through the end and then after it's over also. Yeah. And my biggest... My biggest concern about it, which I brought up in our first episode about the sh- about this game with Chris, was the fear that it was going to ramp up in difficulty in a way that the other FromSoft games have for me, where I love these games like so much. They they do feel like they are in my wheelhouse of things that I enjoy. Like I am a person who seeks out and enjoys this kind of game, especially when it's from FromSoftware. But so many of them towards the end get so difficult that I don't feel like I'm having fun anymore and I need to put it down. And like even... Even victory won't feel exciting or good or fulfilling. That is so extremely not the case with Elden Ring. And part of that comes down to the core design philosophy of like, if you're up against a wall, you can go out and explore the world and go do other stuff and level up and come back. That is always available to you. And that's cool and good. I just feel like the pacing of this game, which is shocking to say, considering it's like literally completely open, there's some gates to be clear. Um, But like for the most part, it's completely open. The pacing of it feels like you get past the first of the five lords that you're supposed to take down. You get past who will probably be your second one. And then once you get past the third one, who I think is a pretty big wall and will be for most people, the game is like just fucking exhilarating through the end. And I, I got past that wall. at I would say like 45 hours. And then that's I ha-
1: roughly where I am right now. Yeah. I feel like
0: I'm, I just got past that myself. Yeah, I, I then had like another 45 hours of like some of the best video game I've ever played. I, I just want to make that very clear that like I, I think there are a couple points in this game that are extremely difficult and they will be trouble for people. And it definitely depends on what your build is and and how much you've been thinking about your investments of skill points and things like that and how much you're using your resources on different things. I definitely think it helps that I have played a lot of FromSoft stuff and I have kind of that vernacular of like, this is what the stats mean. This is what the, the weapon stat pages mean. This is what the ashes of war do because you know, I've played Sekiro and I've played dark souls and I played bloodborne, et cetera, et cetera. But all of that having been said, like, for my personal experience, this was shockingly good uh, and exceeded expectations in a way that I didn't expect. And I still feel like there's so much to do and so much to uncover. And I'm so excited to, like, just hear about people's experiences. I went yeah. and watched a speedrun today of this game that took a half an hour. <laughs> Speedrunners have already gotten this game down to 30 minutes. That's so funny. It's ama- It's just amazing what's going on, like, with the community, watching it happen, being actively a part of it as it's happening is also always exciting, as I was mentioning. But like this game in particular really feels like a, a flashpoint moment. And I I I think we're gonna be talking about this game and this moment when the game came out for a really long time.
1: I agree. It's kind of amazing. Uh shout out to my friends Connor and Katie if you're listening. But um it's this might be kind of a personal thing, but like those two friends of mine, I don't think the three of us have ever like in unison playing or experiencing a piece of media like all at the same time at the same level Mm -hmm. and like those two friends too like haven't really played games a lot or haven't even played like from soft games at all and they love elden ring yeah and like i do think this game has a much broader appeal in that like i have friends who are playing it that are just like herding sheep and they're just like, like, and it sounds silly, but like the way the world is designed and like the beauty of the world and how you could literally say, I'm going to herd sheep and somehow stumble into an adventure akin to like the organic (laughs) beginning of Lord of the Rings is, is remarkable. (laughs) I, I think that like, no matter what you're doing, whether it's like fighting one of the hardest bosses or you know, exploring ruins or whatever, like any action you are taking in this world feels important and is fun to do yeah and that's the thing it's just it's it's constantly fun there are frustrations in it i feel like every time i've streamed this i've i've encountered one of like the five rooftop jumping moments that i think are like the <laughs> one part of the game that i truly despise um but even that like is another it's it's kind of like a it, the the moments of the game that frustrate me feel like inside jokes between me and the game mm-hmm. you know it's yeah, like kind of hard to mean. say but like it's not super apparent in all of them but a lot of the from self games have always had sort of a sense of humor about themselves and yeah. it feels most apparent in this one like I don't want to say this is like a goofy game by any stretch <laughs> or like a, a, a comedy but like there is um, there is an awareness of things I mean uh, the third boss you mentioned who was a gate without spoiling that boss fight it begins I'll, I'll say this and I, and again spoiler territory that fight begins with the boss out of sight they are far away from you and you see a light and then that light is suddenly beaming through you and you're dead like no matter <laughs> what your build is you see the it's it's like how does this game have the audacity to start me basically like a miles away from where the boss is. <laughs> and and now I know based on the one hit kill, they just got on me. That half of this fight is just getting to where he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And like there are moments like that, like that, you know, and that, that fight is very tough and that could be very frustrating. I wouldn't blame anyone for putting the game down there. I was up until like one in the morning trying to beat that boss. Yeah. But again, once I did it, like, and we keep going back to Sekiro, which I think this is why you're hesitant to say this is like an all timer. Cause we love Sekiro, and I still do. I think Sekiro is an incredible game, but it did, it did kind of break that balance a little bit. Like at, There are some points in that game, especially towards the end, that are so difficult that they're no longer fun yeah um at least in my experience
0: again like my experience as well
1: and the other thing too is like i remember distinctly fights in that game where when i did finally win i didn't feel good i just like okay finally i can move on but what what was moving on even mean it means finding another boss like that yes exactly (laughs) so like here when i beat a boss i am reward like the game rewards you so heavily and what i really love is that almost everything like one, one of the and i might have mentioned this last week but one of the things that this game shares the breath of the wild that's kind of subtle but i've realized is like really helping this game it has sort of been in past from soft games but almost every ability you see no matter how outlandish you can eventually get for yourself Mm -hmm. like when a boss does something you're like oh fuck this game that might just be something you get from beating them so now you can do that yeah and I love how this game is so comfortable with you. Like it really does feel like the game is so heavily encouraging you to just do whatever. You know, we talked about this a lot with Chris where Sekiro was like, here's a sword, you're going to play it this way. And this game, like Dark Souls gives you that freedom of like class and stuff, but there's even more to do. There's so many options and it's it's just like you can you can meet this game at more angles than just I had fun with the boss fights. Like, that is one of the elements, not the main factor
0: totally yeah i i, I think that it's it's so hard to not talk about breath of the wild when talking about Elden ring <laughs> right. but like yeah. why not you know um the one thing that i think links these two games together that i i think is really strong it's just this understanding of like exploration being rewarding at all times yeah this game i i think in particular really kind of breaks out of the boundaries of a lot of what we consider to be classical open world design by just allowing you to poke at the edges of pretty much everything what i what i think this game does it deviates from breath of the wild in a really strong way is when they decide to throw gates up i think are actually really important for the pacing of the difficulty um breath of the wild allows you to just like Fucking go anywhere, like from the from the start, and that was you know one of the big selling points of that game was like you could run straight to Hyrule Castle and go fight Ganon if you want to, yeah, and like speedrunners sure do do that with that game, um, that is that is a possibility. There are four giant divine beasts that you have to take down, and you can do them in any order, and you can experience the stories in those four corners of the world in any order, and that's cool. Elden Ring is interesting because like. There's a section of the game that you're in right now, and you need to have completed two of the major bosses to get into that area. That said, the first boss is one that you could come up against that I think most people will come up against because the the game kind of like points an arrow literally in the direction of that boss. And then after you're done with that one, you have two more that you can go fight. That said, I had an experience where I snuck around where that first boss was and I allowed myself to come face to face with the other two bosses and the first one all at once and I could choose which of those two I wanted to beat before moving on. Um this game gates itself in really smart ways where like okay, it's actually really cool that I was able to kind of sequence break and fight those three bosses, but I do need to beat two of them before I can move on to this space. Or yeah you need this medallion to access this elevator and you get the first half of it in the beginning of the game and you get the second half of it, like right towards the end of the game. And now you can take this elevator to this like extremely end game area that is only for the people who have done XXXXX X X, 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 thing. Uh, and, and it's almost like a reward and a punishment for having done so in a way <laughs> totally yes. like those moments of, Gating also make the exploration really rewarding because by the time you're able to find those things, by the time, you know, the payoff from the beginning of the game of getting the first half of this medallion that I'm referring to... To getting the second one you've been thinking about it for like literally 60 hours of game by the time you get that thing it's like hugely rewarded and then of course you show up and it's a FromSoft game so it sucks like it sucks to be there <laughs> and all the enemies kick your ass and you're like i'm literally level 103 why am i getting my ass handed to me again still like it's either this or the last boss in the game and i'm having a harder time on this <laughs>
1: I also, I love that, like, you know, and speaking of just sort of that, that payoff and that, like, that setup, I think one of the most brilliant things about this game is the air tree, the like the beautiful glowing tree oh, you yeah. see from the beginning. Because, like, the way it's positioned, it always kind of looks close. Like, it yeah. always feels like, like, you're, it's like toying with you the whole time that you're like, oh, um, am I close to that? Can I get to that? One of the first things you're told to do is by Melina, who says, like, take me to the base of the air tree and then. You know, will be good, um and like <laughs> you don't get there until this very end game area, and when you're finally there, it's like it's it's so tremendous, and I think that's why like you mentioned that this game never stops being exhilarating. It's so interesting because we we mentioned a lot, and again, by comparing other games, I'm not trying to put these games down, but you know, there are things that remind me of each other here. In Ghost of Tsushima, there's that moment where the world map doubles. Yeah. And you and I felt exhaustion by that. Right. It wasn't exciting. It was like, Oh, what? I thought I was like almost done here. That happens like eight times. Like as soon as you think the world you've seen it all, it gets bigger and bigger, but it, it feels exciting because the way the game, it feels like it's kind of blossoming in a way. It feels like not geographically, but like how Hades, the more you play that game, the more abilities you get and the more things grow. Like, Mm -hmm. It feels like there are a lot of like you just get more and more options. Uh, It's not just you have to do the same things you've been doing again. It's like you are now in a new place that is truly new. What you're going to see here is not like what you've been seeing before, even with the repeated assets. Like there's going to be catacombs. There will be X, Y and Z. It's always going to be a different thing. And there's always a chance that it's going to be wildly different. Yeah. Um, Right. So I just think it does a great job maintaining that freshness and i and i we talk about this a lot like a lot of open world games suffer from trying to be the biggest and best thing i think that this game's size i i would be i would probably guess that the actual physical space is smaller than it feels Mm, but it looks and feels huge and that's that's the difference it's not actually the size of real life montana but it (laughs) feels like this unknowable unmanageable fantasy worlds
0: yeah i i think it's kind of one of the reasons i wanted to seed that little dark souls 2 moment a little bit earlier is that a lot of people have been talking about this game in comparison to dark souls 2 where it feels like dark souls 2 2 and i think this is the reason why people have been saying that is like Dark Souls 2 had that had that feeling of like there's no way that this place can physically exist. And that's kind of what's so exciting about it is like I have no idea what's around any corner because, you know, in front of me, I see a snowy mountaintop. But then when I arrive there, I'm in like a swamp bog that's completely flat like that doesn't make any fucking sense. This game manages to contextualize that and make it make sense in a physical space. It, it is that exact same feeling of I have no idea what could be around any corner. But when you see it, it clicks into place in a way that like logically works. And... That is the thing that really fucks me up about Elden Ring is, is like every time I've had my mind completely split open, it's then immediately followed by like, oh yeah, totally. Like once, oh, <laughs> like, oh yeah, oh, I got a little bit of lore about this, you know, like 10 hours later, now I get it. Like you, you and I and Chris talked a lot about like, uh, an extremely interesting underground area and like... That's shocking when you see it. And then when you've lived with it for like 25 hours after that, you're like a little less surprised when you're down there. It's just like, this is just a place you go. And then eventually it gets contextualized and you know why it's like that. And eventually you fight, you know, the big boss that's down there and you start to learn more when you get the items from them. And like it all just kind of unfolds, as you were saying, it all kind of just blossoms into like logic weirdly, Um, which kind of marries that, really unknowable strangeness about dark souls 2 with the extremely extremely considered interlocking world of dark souls 1 like it it really is the blending of those two it's a perfect marriage of both of those schools of thought um and it's fucking incredible (laughs) i mean it's just it's just unbelievable and like none of that is to say we haven't even really talked that much about like creating your build and finding cool clothes to wear and the weapons that you find that you're completely madly in love with immediately and can't see yourself ever getting rid of uh etc yeah, et i imagine that
1: will be a lot in the bonus we'll go more into like specifics about characters and stuff like yeah. that in the bonus i
0: mean i i had two moments in the game where i respect myself completely for one boss uh well for two separate bosses i mean but like i respect myself you know because i was up against a boss that was like i don't think i can do this with the weapon that i have and then after i was done i was like using that build for a while and then came up across another boss it was like oh i should probably respect again just to fight this one person this one time and then respect again after back into my first original build and was like ah it feels like i'm going home again like that stuff is so cool. <laughs> it yeah. feels so good every time. It's just like, it's shocking that this game feels good always, but it always does. Um, man, yeah. I mean, I can't be more effusive about it. I, I can't glow any brighter. Um, so maybe I should just stop for now until we record our bonus <laughs> episode.
1: Yeah. I think this will, pr- who knows, but I think this will probably be our last segment before the bonus. Cause I, I am hoping to have finished it too by then we'll see uh i will probably play at least most of it i'm in the end game area so um you know we'll see you're what not. happens i'm not um but uh <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry you're not it's in okay. the end game area <laughs> uh well one day i will be and i will look back on myself it's so funny too like i i've had friends who have just started the game, text me like i found the treasure chest that t- moved me somewhere and i was like ah yes my youth i remember <laughs> like being a week young. Ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um but anyway i i i'm hoping to will i'm hoping to have finished it by then but regardless yeah. that episode will be about like the whole experience yeah so
0: I'll, I'll say this to you and i'll say this to everybody uh just don't pressure yourself to finish the game under any kind of time constraint just play it at the speed that you're playing it at uh and if you don't finish it before the bonus that's cool but uh i think it'd be cool if you did uh because there's I'm- a lot to talk about
1: I'm hopeful that I will be able to based on the rate I'm going. Yeah, Um, that
0: was that was the thing with me where I was like, I am playing this game at a really shocking pace. You know, I played, like I said, over 90 hours and it really didn't feel like it. It really did not feel like 90 hours. I definitely know that I spent a lot of time playing Elden Ring in my off time is like all I was doing. Like I didn't watch any TV or read any books or watch any movies or really do anything else uh in in my off hours except play elden ring but um that having been said it, did, it didn't it did feel like 90 hours they really did fly by and it's i i honestly couldn't tell maybe it was three houses was the last game that i like dumped that much time into that quickly and didn't feel like any time had passed
1: yeah i think the other one for me was like my first time playing persona 5 i beat i beat persona 5 in like two weeks yes. which is uh, disturbing <laughs>
0: revelation
1: but yeah. <laughs> similar thing i think it was like exactly 90 hours and i was like that doesn't you know games like this that like either allow you to play at your own pace or games that have like some type of in-game clock or mm-hmm. schedule i don't know what it is about those two genres but it just melts time away yeah uh in a way that it doesn't feel like with other games
0: yeah Elden Ring's good, man. Uh, I, I'm excited for you to get further in it, and uh, I, I really enjoy all the texts you're sending me about everything you're seeing.
1: I'm glad you do, because they're nonstop. I feel like, and that's the thing, too. I'm sure that's, I mean, one of many reasons why this game is so popular on, like, Twitch and other streaming services is just, like, the need to share what's happening. And, like, also, like again, I haven't, last time I experienced that, like, what happened, what happened when you played it last night? Or, like, what did you see most recently? Mm-hmm. Was Skyrim. Um, yeah. And this totally. feels like times a billion, like just in terms of the wonder and what you can uncover. Um, yeah. that's what that's, yeah. I
0: I, I want to reiterate that. Like if you're a person who's listening to this and you haven't played it and you're like considering it, maybe I said this in the first episode and I'll say this again, but like if you're ever going to play Elden Ring, if you think you'll ever play it, like now is the best time to play it. I understand, you know, the cost involved and like maybe wait for a sale eventually, but there, there is an electricity to the community of playing a fromsoft game like in its launch window although that has always been the reason that i pick up their games as soon as they drop because i always think it's really exciting to like read the notes and go online and see what people are finding and talking about and strange builds that people have etc etc this this game has superseded all of those experiences in a way that i didn't even think it could like this game has just kind of really ballooned the the community and, and the the ways in which people are talking about it and the excitement with which people talk about it um, it's really very cool I mean like my whole YouTube homepage like the algorithm just like shoves so many Elden Ring videos in my face now because all I've been doing is just like watching people's like weird stuff that they found um, and like the strange builds that they put together and speed runs like I was saying like it's just so cool watching all of this happen in real time Uh, because eventually it'll just be a wiki you know like eventually it'll just be (laughs) like it's already there i mean you can go check out the wiki it's like pretty fully featured already but there's a lot of blank spots and that's that's the most exciting thing about it is like you go play dark souls one right now and like that whole thing is filled in and there's like a recommended way to play the game like a recommended boss order etc etc like there's for all the FromSoft games, there's like a recommended way of doing it, and every single th- every single blank is filled. Like, there's really nothing left to find in any of those games. And Elden Ring is like, no one really knows the full extent of Elden Ring yet. No one yeah, you, person can tell you what Elden Ring is completely yet.
1: Exactly. Even when there are guides, there are like people discovering, like, oh, wait, you can actually just do
0: this thing instead or yes. whatever. You know, like, yes.
1: there's so many secrets. like the the
0: sword is just a a quick cool Uh, example is like the sword that you're using has a really cool ash of war on it specifically that i was like oh wow i really like it's a special weapon which means that like the ash of war which is the the skill that's attached to that sword is tied to it and you can't change it uh and i was like that's a really cool ash of war for this weapon i like it a lot and then eventually like you were telling me about the sword i was like i can't wait to get that sword so i can try that weapon art out and then eventually just found the weapon art by itself that I can now apply mm. to any weapon and like that kind of holy shit aha moment like the, those things where it's like the game is breaking its own rules where you're like oh I found this weapon that has like a specific art that they made just for that weapon oh shit no I just found it in a fucking cave somewhere beating a mini boss like those moments are so cool whenever it like sets up a rule and then just completely throws it in the trash like absolutely 15 hours later it's amazing every time
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I I I do wonder if I'll ever get a different sword. I'm like so attached to this one sort of I amazing. got
0: very attached to the sword I was using. Uh yeah. and, and use it all the way to the end because I loved it so much.
1: That's the irony. I'm like Sekiro gives you one sword and it's boring. And it's like this game gives you millions of weapons and I'm like, I like this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um again, I I truly like Sekiro is 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 interesting to talk about you know, in contrast, Elden Ring because they're going after totally different things, and I think it's really impressive that these were the last two games from Softmade. Like, I don't really know like the order in which they were developed <laughs> yeah. and like what the interest was, but like they have really gone in completely different. Like, there's a you know branching path after Dark Souls three of like okay, we've kind of done this type of game mm-hmm. a lot. What's next? And like those were the two next steps, yeah. and they both advance. Like the thing about Sekiro is like I do think that the Movement of that game feels better, like the mm. verticality and the stealth and all that, because that's that's what it's focused on. Yeah, not every character in Elden Ring is going to be like a, a Shinobi type character, totally. Um, but it is interesting that like verticality was nailed in Sekiro and in the rooftop jumping. I'm like, oh boy, here we go again <laughs> in Elden Ring. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I really love all like even the games that don't hit as high for me are still masterpieces. Like they've there's a reason why so many games have tried to emulate what they're doing here in some capacity. Yeah, because I think that like if I had to f- figure out like what is the thing that that FromSoft does so well, I do think it's unfold display in Elden Ring, and it's the sort of trusting the player to experience a story on an emotional and indirect level mm. in a way that feels like you were in this place and experienced a moment rather rather than it being forced on you yeah like there's there's a there's a way to have a very narrative like i'm not i don't think every story needs to be told this way but i think in games you have a unique opportunity to allow the story to be told in such a fashion and they just do it so well i think it's also done the best here because like Sekiro, you're given a little bit more direct feed of information like I have a much, you know, we we kind of didn't really know what was going on when we first talked about this game, but like, I've got a fairly confident grasp on the world and like what's at stake, who wants what, what's my relationship with these characters in a way that in Bloodborne I don't think I do ever. Like still, right? Yeah, and, (laughs) and Bloodborne is purposely vague. It's supposed to be a very surreal literal dream but i think that like all their games are like that up until Sekiro. so like i think i think it was a step in the right direction to be like let's let's take a little bit off of the like you know let's let's veer away from like like you're getting nothing i think it's sort of like um miyazaki has cited shadow of the colossus as an inspiration for Oh, the ring. You can see it and you can see it as far back as dark souls. I would argue. Yeah. I think both games are very comfortable with that design by subtraction. Like we don't need to broadcast these things to you. You'll figure it out. Absolutely. But I think sometimes it's like, okay, you can add
0: a little bit more. You can still have that sort of minimalist philosophy without being totally vague. And I think it's so funny to talk about minimalism and FromSoft games when their weapon stat screens look the way they do. But like right. <laughs> I do, I do, I do find them to be minimalist experiences. Weirdly enough.
1: Yeah, and it is funny too, because I think that like just the energy of the bosses feels like an over-the-top anime. So you have this like grounded sensibility in the atmosphere, then the boss is like, the forgotten angel of block, and it's like, you know, whatever.
0: (laughs) Um uh (laughs) only block your attacks. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Guess what I do? I block. (laughs) There is a boss in this game that uh I've been I've been seeing making the rounds. Um who is brutally difficult in a way that a lot of people say is like actually unfair and should probably change like they should probably patch the game to make them easier um which really is like a a big fucking anime sword fight uh it's really hardcore i have not beaten it uh i don't know if i will one of the reasons I keep putting the game down every time I pick it up again but I'll have a lot more to say about that boss when we get into the spoiler bonus but it it literally is the thing that you're talking about
1: yeah it's also interesting too I mean going back to Breath of the Wild like I do think that one of the things I remember being kind of shocked by when I played Breath of the Wild for the first time was the Dark Souls DNA in that game like I feel like it's we we hear this so much it becomes exhausting to hear like oh there's Dark Souls influence Breath of the Wild influence but like breath of the wild was such a departure from past zeldas and the fact that you just saw link die over and over again and like the (laughs) difficulty of that game like i do think there not that it was like cruelly difficult but but breath of the wild was built in a way that that had failure as a tutor that like was not present in the other zelda games you know like you didn't learn by defeat in the same way that you did in Breath of the Wild. So it's interesting to see, like, the games kind of influence each other over yeah, that's, the years. Yeah, uh, there's
0: almost, like, cyclical... So, yeah. uh, influence that's happening dude yeah. rings this is a thing i kind of alluded to last week and i'll I'll ring the bell again oh wow it, just because i think it's i think it's a thing that i i'm gonna I, me personally i'm gonna be considering a lot more post elden ring just about this like nature of open world design and the influence of breath of the wild and elden ring not that i need every game that's an open world to be influenced by these games but i do think like breath of the wild came out and kind of marked a sea change in a way Yeah, but obviously because of the way games are developed, like you needed years and years after that game came out to really see anything that was truly inspired by it. You know, like if games, triple A games on that level take on average, you know, five or more years to develop at this point, then like now would be around the time that we would be seeing stuff that is like truly inspired by Breath of the Wild. And I feel personally, I just want to make this very clear. This is a personal feeling. This is an opinion that I have. Is that. After Elden Ring, I'm going to be a lot less accepting of the older style of open world design, like a Ubisoft Assassin's Creed style of open world design. There's always going to be a place for that. People enjoy that. People like the checklist yeah. nature of that kind of stuff. I think I personally will be vying for more out of that style of game going forward. Like now I th- I feel like Breath of the Wild began this thing. Elden Ring is like The flag in the ground that's like here is the point when you actually start criticizing this as like a kind of like rote trope in a way. If you're if you're not like trying to push the medium forward, I I, I, that that's kind of where I'm at. I I think I agree. I mean, I you
1: know it's it's interesting because we've often talked about like Horizon Zero Dawn and Ghost of Tsushima as these sort of best of up until now games. Yeah, and I remember my my biggest surprise of 2020 was how much I liked Ghost of Tsushima and the comfort in that ritual. Um, but I think something that I remember learning in our Skyrim episode was like, <laughs> I I and maybe I'm just in love with the Elder Scrolls, but I would make a case for Skyrim kind of being in this like growth of open world games, like Skyrim, Breath of the I Wild, think I agree with you, Elden yeah. Ring. Because Skyrim, while it does have like a million arrows telling you where to go and everyone's like, Hello, have you heard whispers of the elves nearby? Um, the game is also very comfortable letting you do whatever in a way. I think even
0: that example that you just brought up is a great is a great example in that way where like somebody will walk by and say something like that. And then that yeah. that is your clue to go in a direction. You right. know? Like right. that that is an endemic quest that is not there there are things that are added to your quest log in Skyrim and in Oblivion and Morrowind and things like that but there are also moments like that where a a, a random citizen of Windhelm will walk by and say something to you and that is the only clue you have that you should go check out a specific spot and yeah. that that specifically is the thing that Breath of the Wild and Elden Ring are always honing in on
1: and I think a lot of that, like, I think Skyrim feels less than by comparison when you talk about, like, the main quest lines. Yeah. But all the stuff, like, where you would just stumble into a Daedric Lord feels <laughs> like Elden Ring w- saw that and was like, let's, like, bump that up to a Optimize for that. You know, yeah. like, finding Meridia's beacon and her being like, finally, you just find that in a random chest. It's never in the same place. Yes. And that begins her quest line. That feels very Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, like, It's kind of interesting to see, you know, Skyrim, I think, had a very huge, you know, Oblivion was big, but Skyrim was big, like, on a massive pop culture level. Yeah. And that definitely influenced a lot of games that came after that, especially in the AAA, you know, sphere. But I I think like sometimes when the wrong things get carried down, where it's a game of telephone, where it's like, what was the thing? And again, this is all subjective. It's not like, you know we're trying to say like someone is wrong for doing a certain thing. But I think you can tell when it's like this sort of like designed by committee corporate product of like, Oh, this is popular. We have to make it like this. Yeah. What
0: worked about Skyrim? Oh, is the icons on the map. So the player, (laughs) so the player could know what activity they were going to do when they arrived at that icon. So they, so, you know, we're giving the player choice, quote unquote choice to go in any direction and do any of these things, but they have an understanding and an awareness of what's there when they get there. Whereas that's really not what happened in Skyrim. Like all the, that icon just meant cave in Skyrim. Yeah. Anything could happen in there. That right. icon did not mean I'm going to do this specific mini game so I can level up my strength stat, which is like <laughs> a thing that happens in other video games uh, that are inspired by it. But I, I do think you're right. I think that was like the takeaway from Skyrim's success.
1: And the, and to be fair, like in Elden Ring, I would say one point of critique I do have is like, while it is a constant joy to stumble across these things, there are quests that you'll want to progress. And there's just nothing sometimes. Like sometimes you're given like a journal that says like, meet me here. And like... I love that. I love like being given maps or information and like having to actually look at that, digest the information and then like make the decision myself on where to mark my map. That's always a joy. Yeah. And But it stands out when the game just gives you absolutely nothing and you want to see more of that quest because then it's like <laughs> yeah. I do want to make a decision on what I'm doing in this world. But I can't because they just said somewhere in Limgrave, which is like me telling you, "Meet me in Vermont," and saying nothing else. It's like, (laughs) okay, so it's it's not it's not super common, but it's not uncommon either that that happens. And like the joy I have of like stumbling into someone who told me to meet them somewhere vague is not like worth the frustration of like just not knowing what to do but that being said 95 percent of the time the lack of like direct guidance pays off i do think that like yeah, i the found way- myself
0: accidentally stumbling into the correct answers constantly in elden ring which was really shocking to me the amount yeah. of stuff that i just found by accident that was like actually the next step in a quest line that i started was like what? Like I, I was keeping notes for some things, but there were some things where I was like, I guess I'm just not finishing that quest line. And lo and behold, five hours later, I like walk into you know a, a weird piece of rubble, and there's a person hiding behind it, like crouched in a ball, who's like, "Hello, I'm the next step." It's right, like, great, and it, wow, amazing.
1: Usually, it's like you'll have a hunch, and then the hunch will be rewarded, which is the best feeling in the world. Yes, like, it's like not solving like a like being like puzzle. Yeah, exactly right. But then there's like a dude gave me a potion and said, give this to someone basically <laughs> like I have no, like, I have, have exactly giving me talking nothing. About, yeah. You're giving me nothing for this one. So I do think it could be like just, just a hair more direct, but I don't think, I, I think that like
0: that person this, you're supposed to give that potion to can also appear in one of eight places, by the way.
1: Yeah. Right. So it's a cool, it's wild. Yes. so, but all, all that to say your your take of like it's going to be harder to be patient for the sort of like model of open world game we've come to accept. Not to be like super demanding or nitpicky, but I think that's happening. Like I think this game's success and the broad appeal of this game is changing our expectations. Yeah. You know, and I think it's and not in a way that's like bad, but just in a way that's like we're we're discovering more of what games could do and also like really what it boils down to is putting confidence in the player yeah you know it, it actually goes back to what we we're talking about with triangle strategy where it's like you don't need to you don't need to spell everything out for us yeah you don't need to tell me like um you know if like i appreciate the like classic uh uncharted if i'm taking too long on a puzzle they'll nudge me in the right direction mm-hmm. like that has helped me a couple times but i think that like specifically for an open world game, the ones that have really taken off the, the three I mentioned, breath of the wild, Skyrim, Elden ring. These are like giant successes yeah. on, on every Which, level. To be clear,
0: like we're not just saying that like sales numbers for Elden ring have come in and are absolutely wild in ways yeah. that from soft games have never come close to.
1: Right. And I think that's for a reason. Cause I think that like ultimately I think that when someone picks up a game, whether they have a lot of experience playing games or not, they're going to want to have their creativity rewarded in some way. Yeah. Um, especially again, specifically open world games. There's like, you know, with like a Mario game, there's, there's more confines there of like, you know, okay, like we're, we're teaching you the rules of the game or whatever. I mean, this, this is getting very broad, but for an open world (laughs) game, I think you're right. I think that a lot of people are going to feel the way you're feeling of like, yeah, this is so clearly the next step. And like, to step back from this would be a mistake
0: yeah you use the word expectation before and i think that's probably the, the the strongest word to use in this situation where like post breath of the wild i was hopeful and now i have an expectation you know yeah. like i was always hopeful that there would be another game that was inspired by that and made me feel the same way and now that i have played that it's like cool i have played now two games like this and if you are a gigantic triple a publisher that is now the expectation for me um i i need i need you to move with the curve of like change and success you know i need i need the medium to move forward in a way that is positive and cool and interesting and not like rest on its laurels anymore exactly i think that 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 line where people put that line of expectation will vary from person to person of course i mean as i also mentioned last week there is a game in between breath of the wild and elden ring that i think is the best game of all time and i'm waiting for somebody to make that you know
1: elden ring where you can climb stuff and jump a little bit farther but if it's yes. raining you slip oh (laughs) don't remind me of that (laughs) holy shit
0: wow you just awoke so much frustration (laughs) and passed me oh man we thought this episode was gonna be short and now it's really long so we should probably wrap up yeah let's uh, we we just climbed in the rain um
1: hey thank you so much for listening we really really appreciate you last month not to like this is not a brag just to reveal like last month was our biggest month yet I think for just total listens and everything. And it was February. It was a shorter month than all the other months. Yeah, this has been a really, really big year for us, and it's just been so flattering. I mean, I, I think we've been flattered from day one. Again, just to be clear, like Brendan and I made this show and were blown away that anyone was listening at all. Yeah, <laughs> And that's still like as, as as seriously as we've taken as much as we wanted to grow. That's still the vibe. I'm still like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Not that I don't believe in it, but it, it's just so surreal because like it doesn't feel like we're putting on airs or anything. We're just this is just how we would talk you know uh it feels like a very personal and intimate thing and i'm really really happy that so many of you have connected with it in some way whether you play these games or not the fact that you've shared your time with us at all is all we could ask for so just huge thank you for listening
0: yeah um for real uh
1: if you like the show into the cast that online is the hub for everything all our links our youtube our twitch all of that stuff as well as our patreon another special thanks to our patrons we like announced incredibly vague and borderline uninteresting plans last week about the <laughs> patreon and many of you have increased your patronage and also new people have joined so just wild thank you so much you're going to get more info from us soon about all that um i would say expect by the end of the month to hear some news potentially um the patron bonus that i've been setting up for a while now has been recorded which is very exciting so Mm. you will see that towards the end of the month potentially beginning of next month but fairly confident it will come out this month um i'll give a tease
0: that i'm excited to hear about it because i'm not involved in it that's right that's a tease so if you hate me (laughs) you're gonna love This bonus without me in it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to give a tease as what it could be
1: without completely giving it away. I'm not a subtle person, so I'm having trouble. How about this? You're more subtle than I am. Do you have a tease you could drop here? Because you know what it covers. Mm. I think we have to be sneaky about this. I don't think we should reveal our true intentions about this, our wants and desires about this. Um so maybe we'll just leave it at that.
0: Yeah. I'll say this, if you like the three primary colors a whole lot, oh. you'll like this. <laughs> and if you hate me also, <laughs> if you're the Venn diagram between primary color fan and Brendan hater. <laughs>
1: Let's see. I like long walks on the beach. I like breakfast food. I hate the primary colors and Brenton. (laughs) Oh boy. Anyway, uh, so that's coming up. Um, And that's basically it. Uh, Tunic is on the horizon, which is exciting. I think Kirby comes at the end of the month. So there's like more games somehow. Oh my god! Kind yeah, of there's some. There's some.
0: Look, I'm looking at the li- We got two Nick this week. We got Persona yeah. 4 Arena Ultimax this week. We got Stranger Paradise Final Fantasy Origin this week. Next week is Rune Factory 5 on Tuesday, and then on Friday is Ghostwire Tokyo, Kirby, and Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which I have absolutely no interest in playing. But Ghostwire Tokyo has gone from a game I was really kind of uninterested in to towards the top of my list of things I'm excited for this month. Because uh, every preview and video I've seen of that game actually looks sick. Uh, even though it does adhere to the older style of open world design that you and I have talked ah! about, but I also didn't even know it was an open world until last week. So you that's know, exciting. Whenever
1: a trailer drops to that game, I have a totally new concept of what it even is. Like I still Me don't too. have full confidence. Like how it plays, it looks very I th- cool. Th- I thought it was
0: like uh, a PT. With Like ghosts in Tokyo vibe, but it turns out it's like an open world first person shooter set in Tokyo with ghosts. I don't know. It's wild. It looks sick. Uh, I'm excited about it. Um, I'll also say this is a shout out to a couple very specific people in the discord, but I did pick up, uh, dark cloud one and two recently. I am in the middle of playing, uh, dark cloud one, which is a very interesting experience. Uh, I I am revisiting that game. I played it a little bit when I was a kid when it first came out, Um, but I have not played dark cloud two at all. I am playing dark cloud one currently to get reacquainted with the series because I've heard that dark cloud two is a huge leap over the first one. I will talk about them on an episode. Eventually. uh, I I also have dark cloud two.
1: I haven't started it yet though. It's like just been, it's it's, there's a handful of games that I picked up for the show that I haven't gone to yet. That's kind Mm. of exciting. It's like that Odin sphere Uh Valkyria Chronicles will one day get its I did mention it in this episode. One day it will get a segment. Mm -hmm. Uh Inside joke, just literally between the two of us. I played Valkyria Chronicles for the show like two and a half years ago, yep. and we bumped <laughs> Almost, it for something. Yeah. and I was like, I'll bring it if we ever need something, I'll bring it up. And it just has never come up. It's a good, I like it. I want to talk about it. I don't know why it's it's not gone its share. So one a day, we're like,
0: happen. once every three months, we're like, maybe I'll talk about Valkyria Chronicles this week. Yeah, and then, of and course, then it's, it's like Elden Ring
1: three or something yeah. comes up. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Anyway, all right. Well, anyway, uh, that's it. So yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening again. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, we have our Elden Ring bonus this month, Patreon bonus this month, and then big Patreon plans. It. So it's a big month. Uh, and then no other bonuses planned yet. Uh, so that's also exciting. Like we we have some like we have a list of like ideas that we've been thinking about getting to at some point. Um, a lot of bonuses we've done have been like like portal and shadow the colossus were both games that like pretty much very early on we knew we wanted to do a bonus about at some point yeah so it's cool to like find out when the time is right for those games like Mm. somehow this is the perfect time for a portal bonus which is wild uh and that one uh, was an accident that one was an accident yeah um so we'll see what happens with april maybe uh April is when the Chrono Cross remaster comes out. Just just putting it out there and planting a a, a wanton seed in y- the
0: midst. You know what I learned recently? What? Uh, You've talked about Chrono Cross on the show before. I have, yeah. I, yeah. I knew that. I, I, I had forgotten about it. It was like early in season two you talked about
1: it. Was, it. it was a pretty like uh, uh, uncharacteristically chill segment. I think I just like revisited it. I was like, it's cool. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. It was <laughs>
0: nice. It was a nice. nice segment.
1: But post-revisiting Chrono Trigger and getting that like rejuvenation i've been more excited to play and when i started it briefly on stream i was really like it was working for me in a different way so i'm really i'm that's one where i'm like very very excited to hear what you think about it like given mm. like our almost religious experience with Chrono <laughs> Uh because yeah. i'm wondering if it, you'll have a version of like what a lot of people had in 1999 when they're like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> is this a sequel to the game I love? No. Um, I'll be very curious. Yeah. I think you'll, I think you have a tendency to like weird sequels. So I think you'll love it.
0: I do like weird sequels. Dark Souls yeah. two gets another shout out on this episode. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, well, that's all I got.
0: Yeah. I think we really got a wrap. Hey, uh, into the cast that online links to everything. That's YouTube. That's Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, the Patreon, the discord, uh, join us my stranger, name is Brennan bigley you can find me on the internet at Brendan bigley
1: stranger of the aether uh into the cast origins
0: you feel like you that. feel good about that you feel no. like that was a good <laughs> last thing to say
1: it wasn't i'll take it back i want to go back and fix it all
0: i'm sorry
1: <laughs> uh i'm steven (laughs) hillary goodbye goodbye
0: goodbye oh do you have a weird vibrating egg in your back pocket too
1: yeah you want to beat up chaos
0: i do want to kick the shit out of that guy
1: ah shit i gotta work again nothing a good amount of spit can't fix (laughs) i can't get over it goodbye i got gap cash He, Jack stops a flight to sign up for the credit card. He's like, Sounds like a good deal. I'll take it. 20% off.
0: <laughs> now, this is chaos. Did I ever tell you? <laughs> <laughs>
1: He's like a gap plant that just signs up for the card in front of you. Like, <laughs> what? Well, that sounds like a great deal. You're telling me I can get these jeans for $50? <clears throat> Sorry, I have a bleeding wound. Nothing a good amount of spit can't fix. (laughs) You know, mucus is one of the humors. Full circle. Goodbye! (laughs) Spit.
0: TWG, the worst garbage. The online.